uh, Matthew 7, chapter 1. Let's read this. Judge not that you not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Verse 6, do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray as we walk through this text this morning, I pray that um, you would change us, that you would um, help us understand, um, you would help us um, really um, listen well to your, to, to your son's words here as he's preaching this Sermon on the Mount. And I pray as we're, we wrestle with a, a, a tension this morning that I pray that you would help us um, just see that these are your words, these are the words of life, and that we should consider them. No matter where we're at in our spiritual journey in the room, that we should consider these words because we believe that these are um, the words of God. So I pray we would humble ourselves this morning and put ourselves under your word but please, please, through your spirit, I pray you would help us understand and help us be able to apply these truths to our lives. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. We live in a world of, of tensions. We live in a world of tensions. You think of wrath and mercy. You think of sinner and saint. You think of spending and saving. You think of work and rest. I think we all live in lot, a lot of different tensions in the world, and maybe we don't even realize that. And there are the greatest movies and books and stories that we, we've ever heard or read all have great levels of tension in them. It tends to, to draw us in. Okay? So I just want to highlight that this morning as we move into a tension because we're, we're looking at one of the biggest tensions in all of Scripture. And, a, and also a, te, a tension that spills over into our day and age, even outside the church, okay? The, the, this, this spills over outside into Christianity and um, the everyday world we live in, not just inside the church. And this, this issue, this topic where the tension is, is one of judgment. It's one of judgment. Here's some questions kind of dealing with this tension. Is it ever okay to correct someone? Is it ever okay to correct someone? Can judging be a godly thing? Can you ever tell someone that they are wrong? What does the Bible say about judging? What does the Bible say about these issues? How does the Bible guide us to walk in a world where this, these things are very prevalent? And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount gives us very clear directions in this passage today on how we go about judging others. And he's clear on it. Now, he's clear, but that doesn't mean it's, it's easy, right? Because this is a, a difficult, difficult tension for us to walk in. And really the point is, and the point that Jesus is going to make today is to judge or not to judge is not the issue. It's not the issue. The issue 
is how we go about judging. To judge or not to judge is not the issue. The issue is how we go about judging. Okay? And that's the tension, right? You almost feel it when I say that. There's a tension there when it comes to judging. But here's what I believe. If if we do this right as followers of Jesus, if we do this right, um, then everyone wins. Everyone wins. If, if you're the one who's been offended and you are wanting to um, go correct someone or to, to, to um, move towards them in this way, you win because you can do that with, with peace. You can do that without hate. You can do that without these feelings just boiling up inside of you that we all feel when somebody offends us. And we really want to say something, but we don't know if we can say something in all of those feelings. And if you're the one who's the offending party, you win because you'll be approached in a more gentle, humble, and loving manner and given an opportunity to apologize, to recognize what you've done wrong, or maybe to have a good constructive conversation and disagree. But the one who wins most of all here is God. Because I think there is a way that God can be honored and glorified through our judging one another. And that sounds really strange, but I think it's clear in this passage that God can be honored and glorified through this. Because he, the only way for us to do this right is to remember the gospel and think about his goodness and think about his mercy and grace. And that's, we'll unpack that here in a second. Before we walk through this, I just want to say one thing. You probably know this, but this is one the most abused, misrepresented, taken out of context ideas in all of scripture. Like this is definitely like a top five. And even outside the church, I hear this phrase a lot. Well, the Bible says, don't judge. Don't judge me. God says, don't judge. Like you've probably heard these a lot. And, and, and is there some truth to some of that? Yes. And we'll talk through that here in a second. But that idea is so much more nuanced and that is not exactly what the Bible says when it comes to judgment. There is so much more to this idea of judgment than just throwing out this statement of God says don't judge. And so we want to correct that today as we walk through this. So let's start in verse 1, read verse 1 and 2. Judge not, Jesus says, that you <coughs> be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So this is a, a very nuanced way of saying, of, of what Jesus says here. He doesn't say, do not judge, period. He's saying, be careful how you judge. When you judge, this happens. Okay, so let's talk about what does it mean to judge. That, that, that verb judge, to judge. It, it simply means to evaluate or discern. To evaluate or discern. Could be, um, you, it could lead you to 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 um, um, reward after you discern or judge, or it could lead you to condemn, right? But the idea of judgment is just to evaluate or discern. There's not, it's not a negative or positive. Okay, if you think of judge as in a, a noun, the person, the title of a judge, um, a judge is just someone who decides what is just in a particular situation according to the standards or laws that they are submitting to as a judge. A judge gives a favor to the right person in the situation, and he gives guilt to the person in the, in the wrong in the situation. Okay, that's, that's just a straightforward definition of what to judge and a judge is. So when we hear the word judgment or judge, we need to just, well, a lot of us want to run to the condemning aspect of judging. And that's not the, the, the totality of what judging actually 
means. But one thing we do know is that there is only one perfect judge in the world, in, in, in all of creation, and that is God. He knows everyone's, what, what they've done right, what they've done wrong. He knows their stories. He knows their tendencies. He knows all of our motivations. He knows everything that, it, that we have ever done or thought. Okay, so if there's anybody who can be a perfect and righteous judge, it is God. Because he knows everything and he is perfect. Therefore, in all situations, he can judge justly and rightly because of who he is. And he knows everything. Now, who doesn't know everything in everyone's stories and motivation? Every human being that has ever lived, right? So there's some humility when we think about judge and judging. James 4.12 says this. He says, there is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. He's talking about God. <clears throat> but who are you to judge your neighbor? And in this context, James is talking about um, loving one another, especially how we talk to one another, how we speak to one another, how we relate to one another. So in this context, he's, James says, <clears throat> but who are you to judge your neighbor? Like, be careful, be humble. Like, who are you to put yourself in the judgment seat here? Pastor and author Scott Sauls, says this about God's nature and character as a judge. And I think this is really important for us to hear and realize um, who God is in this area before we really talk about how um, this applies to us in this passage. He says this, When the Bible's teaching about judgment is dismissed, all victims of injustice, violence, and oppression are then put at risk. If God is a God of love, without the accountability of justice— then vulnerable people become more vulnerable and bullies are encouraged to continue bullying. If there is no ultimate accounting for evil, what hope is there for Holocaust victims regarding Hitler? What do we say to little girls who have been sold into the sex trade by greedy, oppressive scoundrels? What do we say to the boy who is abused by his tyrannical father or to the unassuming elderly widow who is robbed at gunpoint? It's too simple to merely say that our God is a God of love and nothing else. If God decided to put his gavel down once and for all, don't we see that this would create many more problems than it would solve? If a judging God did not exist, then we would be living in a world of Darwinian chaos in which the strong eat the weak and only the powerful and cruel survive. Okay? So when we're talking about this idea of justice and judgment, we have to first understand who the God we serve is. And when we say judge, that's what we're talking about, okay? So if, we, if, we're, if we're afraid of that word, or we don't like to hear that God is, uh, that he's a God of wrath and justice and love, like if, if, if we, we, need to, we need to take all of God if we're going to believe in him or, or come after him or search for him, okay? So the grounding truth and what we're going to move forward and talk about today is that God is a perfect judge. And there will be a day in the future where he judges all evil that has ever been done and will ever be done. He, it will happen. So when we're offended, when, we're, when we feel like we just want to, to unleash our wrath upon a person or a people who's creating some great atrocity— then that truth of that God will judge all evil eventually, that will help us dial it back a little bit, not be too quick to put ourselves in the judgment seat, and actually um, allow us to keep some peace and measure of control, which is definitely what it takes to walk out what Jesus is going to talk about. So let's look at verse 3. Jesus is going to help us here. This is how we handle 
judging um, one another or, or, or correcting each other. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, this is a, um, it's kind of funny if you think of what Jesus is trying to teach here, okay? What Jesus is trying to teach. Um, and I think, it's, he, I think Jesus is using some humor here um, to drive home a point. And so maybe if you can't imagine this, maybe look something like this. Right, like, like how, how ridiculous is it for a person, and Jesus says log, like he says it, right? Like he wants us to, to imagine the ridiculousness of this scenario. How can we who have a log in our eye do any good for someone who has a speck in their eye? Okay, you can take that down, thanks. Um, um, just y'all be looking at that the rest of the time. Um, but seriously, like how, first off, you just can't see, right? Like how can, you, how can you really help get something out of someone's eye, a speck, if one of your eyes is incapacitated by a log, right? That's one just truth about this. Um, but the, 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 the other part of this is it's this idea of self-righteousness, right? He talks about, he, he, he calls this person a hypocrite in verse 5. And a hypocrite is not someone who sins. It's not someone who does bad things. A hypocrite is someone who puts forward this image or tells people that I present this image. I'm a good person. I have it all together. I'm righteous. I'm better than everyone else. And then that person fails. That's a hypocrite. We're not hypocrites when we say, hey, I, we're broken and messed up people who try our best and we fail. That's not being a hypocrite. A hypocrite is, is being self-righteous, like leaning on your own righteousness and then, and then doing something wrong. Okay, this is what a hypocrite is. And so he's saying here that the hypocrites being, has this level of self-righteousness that is ridiculous, that they, can't, they don't have enough awareness to see the issues, the junk, the brokenness in their own life before they start actually um, judging or correcting um, or rebuking their brother or sister. Notice he says brother here. So this is either um, familial or it's at least in the family of God. This is Christian to Christian here. Um, one il illustration passage that Jesus, parable, I guess, that Jesus tells later in a different gospel in Luke um, chapter 18. I want to read this. And this is, um, he sets up this scenario with, with two people, okay? And, and pay attention who he's actually telling this parable for, like why he's sharing this, okay? Um, let's look at verse 9, Luke 18. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So this is the law guy, right? Verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, or in other words, a big fat sinner, right? Like, I mean, these guys were the worst of the worst. Uh, the, the, the Jewish people did not like tax collectors because they were traitors. They were their own people who were working for the Romans. They hated tax collectors. Verse 11, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, so he's by himself, God, I thank you that I am not like the other man, the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, 
or even like this tax collector. So he's close enough for him to kind of point over there and tell God, I'm not like him, thank goodness. Then he gives a couple of his resume points. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all I get. Okay, so this is the epitome of self-righteousness. So you got a Pharisee who's comparing himself to others and basically putting himself above other people based off of these kind of rules that he's chosen, these standards that he's chosen himself. He doesn't think he's got anything wrong. He's good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. These people are bad. I'm, in the good, I'm on the good team and everything's all right. Like this is self-righteousness. And this is what is the problem with the law guy, right? And, and before we move on too quick and brush this off, I want us to just stop. And I want us to just be honest with ourselves, because I think there's a little Pharisee in all of us. There's a little Pharisee in all of us. Like all of us have these particular uh, maybe sins that we think are worse than all other sins. It's usually sins that we don't struggle with. So then we can, we can put those, run people through the filter of that sin. And if they fail, then they are the, oh, they're not as, there's not as good as me. Or we're allowed to puff our chest out a little bit more because we don't struggle where that other person struggles because we're awesome in that area. Or maybe it's not sin. Maybe it's just a preference or, or something that you feel like people should be really good at. You feel like people should really do to be awesome, right? And so maybe it's not a, maybe it's not a sin issue. Maybe it's just a preference in your life. And you say, I want, I'm gonna judge people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna determine their worth by this particular area. Okay, this is what being judgmental looks like. I think the problem with, and it's a human problem, I think we're really quick to notice other people's flaws and we're, really, we're slower to recognize our own flaws. This is the log and the speck thing, right? Like, we're, like we see from far away, oh, there's, I think I see a, which is crazy, like this guy could see a speck in another person's eye from a distance. Like, I mean, you, you, you can't see that really normally. So there's some truth there, even what Jesus is trying to say. He's saying like, this person's far away and he's looking at another person and observing this speck. When he's got this log, this, he, he just, he's not even aware of the log that's coming out of his own eyes. So we're slow to see um, our own faults, but really quick to see other people's faults. Another kind of way to say this is we're, we're really quick when we're, we're kind of viewing others or judging others to not give them the benefit of the doubt. They're doing something wrong that's maybe offending us, and we quickly immediately go, well, they're just that kind of person. That's their personality. That's just who they are. Instead of thinking, well, I wonder what their story is. I wonder if they've had a bad day. I wonder if they faced some form of abuse when they were younger, and this is the reason why this particular behavior is, is hard for them to do. Or, or, or maybe I don't know them well enough and I should get to know them to understand why they keep offending me in this way. But we're so quick to, to not think of all the circumstances for them and immediately go to, well, that's just who they are and I don't really like it and that's, I'm just gonna like kind of dismiss them away. But for, for us, what we typically do is we flip it, right? Like we're like, well, I've had a bad day. I'm tired. This person, this person, this person are driving me crazy all circumstantial, right? Like I had a hard upbringing. Things are difficult for me. I have a lot of baggage. And some of that stuff may be real, right? But we're quick to say that's the reason for all our faults. That's the reason for our sin. That's the reason for our junk. And we, so we blame that on circumstances or other things instead of 
doing that for other people as well, being more empathetic, not being judgmental. Now, let's back to the parable. There's a second part to this. Remember, there's two people, but the tax collector. Notice, standing far off, so he, his, the distance he even has from the temple is further than the Pharisee, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. Like he got it. Like he's like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not worth it. I don't lift up my eyes to heaven. He beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Like he, he gets it. He, he, he knows he doesn't deserve to be in God's presence. He knows the only way he can possibly have a relationship with Jesus, God, here in this moment, is, is through God's mercy. I'm a sinner. My only hope is mercy. So God, please give me mercy. Verse 14, what does Jesus say? I tell you, remember, he's talking to the religious folk here. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but to the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And this would have absolutely blown the minds of the people listening because justification was a big deal, right? That was what the religious leaders knew they were, or thought they were justified because of their behavior, because of the things they followed. So when Jesus said only one of these guys was justified, and it was the awful, horrible, sinful tax collector that you guys hate so much. Why? Because he, he got it. He was humble. He came to God and said, I have nothing. There's nothing that makes me clean. There's nothing that makes me um, uh, be able to, to earn any kind of grace or mercy you give me. And the Pharisee thought he was awesome. Thought he was, the, the self-righteous was off the charts. And so this is the posture that we have to have if we're going to do uh, Matthew 7, 3 through 5. If we're going to walk this out, we have to, to have this humility because Jesus says the last, the last statement there, and this is a promise, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. God will humble the person who exalts himself, who thinks they're better than everyone else. But another promise, the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So humility is the key here. So what Jesus is saying here in verses three through five is not that judging someone else is wrong. He doesn't say that. He actually says the way you go about judging someone else is the key. Don't judge unfairly. Don't judge with a self-righteous attitude. Don't judge with a log in your eye. Take care of your own junk before you can possibly speak life and encouragement and rebuke and things like that into someone else's life. Now, verse six here kind of closes this passage. And I'll just tell you, like, this is a top 10 passage for, um, I don't know what the heck this means, right? Like, this is, uh, this is a weird one, right? And, and all the commentaries I read this week, like, they were all over the map here, okay? So I'm going to do my best with the amount of time we have, not much, um, to talk about this, um, but it's strange, right? It's a strange passage and, and people are a little confused. So Jesus brings out calling people dogs and pigs here. Um, um, you, you may think that that seems abrasive for, of Jesus to call people that, especially after he just talked about judgment, right? Um, but here's what's probably happening. Um, dogs and pigs were oftentimes household domesticated, you call them pets. Like they were, they were around. There were feral ones, wild ones. There were also domesticated ones. So 
in that culture, anyone that was in the household was part of the family, human beings speaking, right? They were part of the family. But these, the dogs and pigs were also in the household all the time, but they were not considered part of the, part of the family. So Jesus is using this kind of proverb, this cultural thing to say there's a separation between the family and the dogs and the pigs, okay? But they're these domestic, oftentimes they were domesticated in, in people's household. There's another place in the Gospels where Jesus says, hey, don't, throw, don't throw your good food to the dogs and pigs, throw your scraps to the dogs and pigs. And that's kind of part of this idea. Um, they were different than the people in the household. So how does this relate to what we're talking about today? There's really two um, ways um, that most commentators think through this, and, and I'll just share them real quick. Um, the first approach is, it means basically don't be too charitable. Like this, this um, obeying Matthew 7, 3 through 5, going through this process of not judging, being self-reflected, thinking about your own sin, that is hard work. That doesn't come naturally. It's hard work. It takes a lot of emotional energy and time. So if that's the case, what Jesus is saying is don't be too charitable with people who um, don't want anything to do with you. Like if you get along with some pig-headed person that's stubborn and you've tried over and over and over to walk this out and they are not responding well, let it go. Don't cast the pearls, your time, your, the best of your energy to dogs and pigs, okay? Or people who are not going to receive this well. Another way to look at it is just don't spend your time and your energy on people who are unresponsive. Now, I'll say this. Like, I don't think, I think we should talk, think more about three through five and less about this. Don't use this as an excuse to write people off, okay? Don't, don't say, well, they're just, you know, whatever. Like, I almost hate talking about this verse because if that's what it means, it can give us an out. But do not use verse six as an out. Think about verse three through five and dig in and, and have this healthy confrontation with people, okay? So, um, it's not if we judge, it's how we do it is the main point of what Jesus is trying to drive home here. So, when we leave here today, we're all going to be faced with this, right? Whether it's um, as watching the news and seeing some horrible atrocity happening across the world, it's probably not hard to find. There's a way that we get angry and, and, and kind of vengeful with that, or it could be driving home in your car and somebody else does something in their car and it makes you really mad. It could be with your spouse. It could be with your kids. Like we all like have this propensity to judge and get angry and like just want to like come after people. Okay. So let's talk through a process really practically of, I think, taking verses three through five and making it really practical for all of us when we leave here. Uh, first step, and I kind of lay these out in steps, move slowly. And this is for those of you who like a good fight. Okay, those of you who like a good fight, not every hill is, is, is one to die on, right? Like, don't take this verse and use it as an excuse. We're like, Jesus says it's okay to judge. I'm just going to go after it with everyone. That's not what he's saying, okay? So not every time you're offended is a chance to, like, go after a guns blazing. So move slowly. Like, think about it. Like, don't react immediately. I mean, that's a just good principle for almost anything. Don't react immediately. Take it to God if it's gone, those feelings are gone the next day, it's probably not worth bringing up to someone, right? Um, so move slowly, be aware. Like we all know that those things that linger, we're bitter, we're, we, we, we just, it bothers us, we lose sleep, it's been weeks and months and we're still thinking about it. Then it's probably time to move into um, kind of what Jesus is talking about. So number one, move slowly. Number two, um, 
have know yourself, repent, and believe the gospel. Okay, this is by far the most important one. We've already seen this in that parable that Jesus um, has taught on here. Um, but we have to just understand who we would be apart from the mercy and love of God. Like who, where would you be without God's, you, you would not be in his family, you would not be saved, you would not be forgiven, and you would still be under his judgment. That's where we would all be without the grace and mercy and love of God. So the first thing to do is just be, have a little self-reflection here. Like pay attention to the log or the stick or whatever it is that you have in your eye before challenging someone else. Just repent and believe the gospel. That's brought up several times in scripture. And so before you move in to challenge, know yourself. Know yourself. Know that you, you're the, you, you've been forgiven much. And that allows us to have more empathy with people who've offended us or wronged us. The third portion, part, uh, consider others more important than yourself. This goes along with the gospel. I think this is a fruit of um, repenting and believing the gospel. But Philippians 2.3, Paul says, um, have this mind among yourselves like Christ Jesus. He didn't consider other, others more important than himself, but gave himself up for us all. Um, and so be humble, right? Be humble. Like as Jesus is our example, be humble. Consider others better than yourself. If you consider others better than yourself, you're, it slows everything down. You're more concerned about who they are as a person, their story, their baggage. Why are they acting this way? Maybe they've had a bad day. You just move into this a lot slower. Because here's the deal. Your sin is just as bad. Like our sin, my sin's just as bad as my brother or sister's sin, right? Like both of those sins apart from God's grace get us condemned. Okay, so no sin is worse than the other sin. So let's check ourselves to make sure that we're in a good place so we can consider others more important than ourselves. And then the fourth one, um, I think, um, do it like Jesus did it. Okay, and back to the speck in the log. Like how do you, when you have a speck in your eye, when you have something in there, how do you take care of it? You get like the, 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 the hammer and the crowbar out, like just jab it in there and like just, cr- no. Like do you use tweezers? Probably not. That's still a bad choice, right? Tweezers can be sharp. It's a little better than the, than the crowbar. Um, but you, you do it with gentleness, right? Like you, you take your time. The eyes are really important part of the body and it's really sensitive. So if you've ever taken something out of someone else's eye, you do it with gentleness. You probably get like a tissue. You take your time and that person is nervous, right? Like you're messing with their eye. You, those of you who are freaked out about having your eyes touched, like my wife, like, like it's like terrifying, right, um, to have this done. And so th- there's a reason why Jesus uses these two things, I think, right? The speck, you, you have, and, and also relationally, you have to be really close to someone to actually take care of the speck, right? Like you can't, you can't take a speck out through social media, right? Like you, you, have, to, you have to connect with them. It's relational, Okay. And, and another, um, Jesus, think about the woman caught in adultery. Um, so she's there in, in the middle of a street, and these religious guys are going to stone her. They're going to kill her by beating her with rocks because she's an adulteress. She, it's, it's a sin, right? So they're going to kill her. Jesus steps in, and we know he says, who, who, who's, who hasn't committed a sin amongst you? And they all start dropping their stones. They take off one by one. And then he looks to the woman and says, who has condemned you? And she looks around, she says, no one. Like, they're all gone. And he says, neither do I. And then he says, go and sin no more. 
So he called her action sinful. Like he made a judgment, like he evaluated, he discerned her lifestyle and called it a sin. We got to notice that. But he judged her through this posture of love and grace and mercy and gentleness rather than wanting to pick up a rock and kill her. And so for us, as we move into this idea of judging other people, correcting one another, rebuking one another, having conflict, all of these things, the posture that we should take is like Jesus. He moved slowly, but he didn't back away from truth. He told her, hey, this, this is sinful. Like the, being an adulteress, you should not do this. So stop doing it. Go and sin no more. But that she was already melted, right? She was already melted from his grace and his mercy, and he stood up for her. And then he told her the truth. Like, stop. Stop it, right? Like, stop doing this. Okay, so the fourth thing is we do it like Jesus did it and, and how he taught us in that, in that way. So four steps. Slow down, move slowly, repent and believe the gospel, consider others better than yourself, and do it like Jesus did. I think this is a process that when we start to feel angry, wrathful, vengeful, even just annoyed, and we want to like, it's a way for us, instead of sweeping it under the rug or just pretending it's not there, we actually, it's a way that we can deal with a lot of what I think consumes our minds and our thoughts in our energy. So for the church, here's my prayer. We need each other to live this out inside the church. Like we need to be courageous when, we ha- when we're offended and someone's done something wrong to us and it won't, we can't let it go. We need to courageously move towards one another and actually have this conversation. That's the way families work. It's the way we have to do community. We need to be, cor- it's hard, but this is a command here. He doesn't say do not judge. He says ju- don't judge unfairly. Like that's the principle. So we need to move forward towards one another. And we do it with understanding the gospel, with humility, considering others better than ourselves, knowing that we're sinful as well. But we can move towards one another in that way. And I think if we're on the receiving end of that, we also need to remember the gospel, right? That like like my righteousness and my approval is found in God and in Jesus and not in this person who I offended. And you don't have to be defensive. You don't have to come back at him punching as well and fighting. You can just listen. And consider your brother or sister, especially if they've done it in an appropriate way, can have a good conversation and apologize, make amends, work it out. I think this is produced with a belief in the gospel and doing it with like a courageous kind of care when we move towards one another. I made a comment about social media a minute ago. I'll just say it. Um, this is not a good place to do this, right? Like I think we get that. Like especially publicly to like, to like publicly try to judge someone while everyone else is watching is, I don't think that is anywhere in what Jesus is trying to say here. If anything, with our, in our technology age, like the, the direct reply, the, hey, I'm going to send you a direct email and at least have a direct conversation with them and watching your tone, watching how you handle it, all of those things. But more than anything, I think we just need to work really hard to try to do these things face-to-face. If some of the circumstances don't allow us to because of distance, okay, then you may have to go to a phone call or um, a, a really heartfelt, wise email. But blasting someone on Twitter or Facebook that you probably don't know well, I don't think is walking this out. Um, I don't think it is. Um, and so that leads into the last point I'll make here is, is how we approach um, pe- people who aren't followers of Jesus. Maybe some of you here in this room. 
One of the reasons why this is the, one of the most abused verses and ideas outside the church is because of the behavior of Christians, right? Like, so if we need to treat people who are outside of the faith, um, we move towards them like Jesus did with the adulteress. Like, we, we, we're, we're, we're gentle, we're humble, we, we, we know where we've came from, that we would be no different than anyone else apart from the grace and mercy of Jesus, so it, we can have conversations. We can like have good dialogue about where we disagree, even if there's like they could care less about their behavior. Okay, it's but we can move towards them and listen and consider their position and why they do what they do. And we can do those things if we can just I think go through those steps. And I think it would actually give us a chance to talk about Jesus more and less about fringe issues that we're offended by. If we could actually stay in the conversation long enough to allow like our stories to come up and hear their stories and actually have a good dialogue um, about our differences and where we don't see things eye to eye. So Jesus confronted truth. Like he confronted errors in truth. Like he, he stood up for truth, it's clear. But his posture was what was just unbelievably merciful and loving. And I think that's what we all should aspire to. And that's my prayer for us as a church. Let's pray. Father, this is such a, uh, a hard tension of knowing when to judge, how to judge, how to correct, how to evaluate and discern the behavior of, of one another. Um, so I just ask that, to help us, like always. I pray that your spirit that fills all of us, that it call you Lord and Savior, that, that he, he, he would help. He would guide us, that he would counsel us, that he would help us be the kind of people who aren't afraid to stand up for truth, who aren't afraid to um, stand up for injustice, stand up for the purity of the church, but do it in such a way that's humble and that where God's love and grace and mercy can be on display to those who we are talking to. Spirit, help us. To help us walk this out so that we may, may honor and glorify you to a greater degree. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.